Hey guys, welcome back to the Intentional Love Podcast. My name is Kiana. And I'm Nakia. And we are so glad to have you with us for another week. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about time or timelines. And we're going to be coming out of the book of Luke. And it's going to be the first chapter, verse 5 through 25. I'm going to go ahead and start reading this. And then we're just going to go ahead and dive in and just let's talk about it. So in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest, Abijah, a division, Abijah's division named Zachariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. It happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. To enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts of fathers to their children. And the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and to make ready for the Lord and prepared people. Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gesture and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into selection. Seclusion. seclusion from for five months how kind the lord is she exclaimed he has taken away my disgrace from having no children all right cool beans so when we're talking about this with regards to time another story that i kind of want to reference as well that i'm going to go into in a little bit later is um sarah and abraham but what i wanted to point out in this particular story is how when people tend to, when God gives people a promise, it's almost as if we expect it to come to pass immediately. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some circumstances where God will give us the promise and it'll come to pass like that. Like it'll be super fast and super quick. But in the Bible, there have been multiple occurrences of there being some type of time 
that has to be waited or time that goes by before those prophecies or those words that are spoken, those promises that are spoken come to pass. And so in this story, I found it interesting because, you know, it was similar to Sarah and Abraham, how they were like older, they had struggle conceiving and Zachariah is like instantly, he's like, how, how is this going to happen? And I found it interesting how the angel was just like, you're just going to shut up. We're just going to shut you up because you're doing too much and your doubt can kill your promise. And so when you just think about that or just try to unpack that a little bit more, it's interesting because a lot of times when God gives us a promise, our first initial response, and I feel like because we're sometimes carnal minded, we always want to think about how we can do it in the physical, not in the spiritual. And so we're quick to be like, oh, well, there's no way that that's even possible. But here it even is talking about like how God doesn't do the possible. He does the impossible. And I think that just shows like his power. He kind of just flexes his power in that type of way. But it's just crazy because so many of them, so many of us, we have that time period where we're like, we want it to happen now. We don't want to have to necessarily wait for the promise. But in that promise or in that time period of waiting, God is preparing that promise and making sure that it can be um, come to pass at its fullest, you know, potential, I guess is a way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to go ahead and run over to Genesis chapter 18 verse. Hold on. Let me get there. I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 18, and it's going to be verse nine that I kind of put heavy emphasis on. Um, but just to give a little context, um, Abraham, the Lord had appeared to Abraham in chapter 18. Um, and while he was sitting in the entrance of a tent in the heat of the day, um, he looked up and then he saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran um, from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed down to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go past your servant. Let a little water be brought that you may wash your feet and rest under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way. Later, you can continue on. Yes, they replied, do as you have said. So Abraham turns, um, returns to the tent and he tells Sarah, like, quick, need some bread. You know, I need three loaves, basically. Um, and then he runs and he gets uh, his servant to prepare the calf and he goes back to get ready to serve them. And they ate under the tree. So when they're eating and stuff like that, the three men or the three visitors, they ask Abraham, where's your wife, Sarah? And he's like, um, she's in the tent. So this is where I'm going to start picking up, basically. So in verse nine, it says, where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he answered, the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself after I'm worn out. My Lord is old. Will I have delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At this appointed time, I will come back to you in about a year. She will have a son. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you did laugh. So in this story, it's almost similar to the doubt that Zachariah was having when it came 
to the promise was being spoken about having a child in their old age. And so Sarah, she's like, her initial response is like, I've been praying for a kid all this time and I have yet to have one. And now that I'm old, wrinkled up, I can't even have kids physically. It looks like I can't even have kids because at that time, you know, she's probably already like well into menopause and all the things. So, you know, her reproductive organs and stuff may not be up to par. And so she's probably like, how is the Lord going to bless me with a kid? That don't even make sense. Instantly thinking from a carnal perspective, not a spiritual perspective. But she also was just thinking about all this time that she had been praying for this and it not come to pass. And so in that time, you know, I'm sure it was filled with nothing but doubt. Um, because she wasn't seeing it manifest in the time that she felt it should have manifested. Um, there's a scripture. Can you look it up real quick for me, Kia, so you can read it? It's going to be Isaiah 60 and 22. Um, but in this time, she uh, is probably just sitting here just thinking of a thousand and one ways of how this man could possibly be wrong. But then um, when you skip a little further, I think everybody kind of knows the story. She ends up actually getting pregnant within the year's time that the Lord had spoke or whatnot and um, ends up conceiving and giving birth to Isaac. Um, and it says that the Lord came, this is, uh, this is Genesis 21. It says the Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God had told him, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So I'd really just want to put emphasis on at the verse 2, 21 verse 2, where it says, at the appointed time, God had told him. So can you have that other scripture for me? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and read it for me. Um, Isaiah 60 verse 22. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. So when we're talking about time, I think it's so important to realize that we're not on our timetable. We're on God's timetable. And so when we're looking at um, when we're looking at scripture and we see how people are getting the answers to the promises that God has given them, but not in the time that they wanted it to. It's easy for like a lot of um, emotions to kind of come into play that whether it be doubt, it be disappointments. But the thing about it that we have to understand is that we don't operate on our own timetable. I remember being um, in college and things like that. Um, When I graduated high school, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to graduate from college. I'm going to go straight into a job making the money that I want to make. I'm going to be able to buy a house. I'm going to be able to buy the car that I want. I'm going to be able to do this in that order. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have my kids. And I had set this whole timeline um, in, in set it in play. Right. And so In my head, that was the plan. And I know that there's like a quote where it's like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I found that there's so many young men and young women or just people, not even necessarily young men and young women, but just people that we have these plans that we have set for ourselves that um, we want on a certain timeline. And when they don't happen, we get disappointed, we get frustrated, we get angry and we get hurt. And we want to necessarily, I don't want to say we always blame God, but I feel like we kind of get frustrated with God because it's like, why are you not making these things happen? This is the perfect time for this to happen. But like that scripture says, um, you still have a quote up here where it says, um, when the time is right, I, the Lord will make it happen. God has perfect timing. So he knows when 
things need to happen or how certain things need to play out for you to be able to be in a position where you can genuinely receive what it is that he has promised or what it is that he's doing in your life. And sometimes we want to play God and we want to think that we know what's best for ourselves when truly we need to learn to trust God's timing because he knows what's best for us. It's all according to his time, not ours. And so going back to just that, um, that, like that point that God is making in, um, Genesis 22 or 21 verse two, where it says at the appointed time, God had told him. So God spoke and gave him the time that it was going to be done. But sometimes there are situations where God doesn't give us a timeline. He doesn't, um, he doesn't always give us a timeline for when things are going to come to pass. And so there's like this long time that we're just waiting. But in that, what we're doing in that time is what's important. So I want to jump back to Zachariah to point out some of the things that were um, being done during that time of like stewarding the promise. Right. And so when you go back to um, Luke chapter one, um, it talks about how um, the angel had said, now listen, you, it's in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. It says, now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So once again, going back, pointing emphasis on in their proper time, when God's timing is right, there's nothing that we can say, do to negotiate, debate, or change when God's timing is right. It's always right. It's always on point. But in this thing, in this, in this scripture is basically showing how his mouth could have been more detrimental to the promise than he realized because the angel had to shut his mouth. So could you imagine what damage his mouth could have done to the promise if he was not silenced when the promise was given? Because in order, the way that I read this scripture, in order for God to be silencing you for nine months, because you're, you're people are pregnant for nine months, which is even before nine months a little bit, because, um, you know, she didn't conceive until he came back from his appointed time. But a little more than nine months, your your mouth is closed the whole pregnancy. And before she even conceived, that tells me that there was some power behind your words, which is a whole nother thing that we can go on a whole, you know, tangent about. But I'm gonna keep it very minimal. But there's power behind your words. And we have to be mindful of what we are saying when we are given promises of God, because we have uh, the power with our mouth to kill the promises in their infancy. And that's very a dangerous place to be. So we need to be mindful of what we're speaking out when we're given promises. We just need to learn to shut our mouths and pray over the promises. But another thing that I want to um, point out too is in Luke chapter one in verse 24, it says, after these after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. So before she went and told folks that she was pregnant, before she went and did anything talking about pregnancy announcements or anything, the promise that the Lord has given her, she took five months in seclusion. Now, it doesn't necessarily go into um, depth about what she did during these five months, but it does show that she went on to give thanks to God for this. So in my head, the way that I'm interpreting this text is in that season, when you are given the promise, before we go and we're making announcements about the promises and things that God is doing, we need to go into a secluded place to really cover that word and that promise in prayer. We need to give thanks to God in, um, in, in faith for the answer or for the promise that is given and covering that, that, um, promise in its infancy in prayer in worship 
and praise and thanks because there's so many things that can happen to the promise if we're not properly stewarding it. So I think that that's another thing that I really wanted to highlight and kind of stood out to me when I was reading it because for her to go away in seclusion for five months tells me that for one, the promise that was being, you know, given, it was something that was worth concealing for a period of time before it was announced, but also something that was worth thanking God for, but also covering in prayer and concealing in prayer. So that's something that I also wanted to point out. But there's also another verse. I think you got it for me, Kia, but mm-hmm. go ahead and read it for me. Proverbs 16, um, verse 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So that's a proverb, but I think it just still quotes out to kind of just further solidify that, like, we can come up with all the plans in the world, but God is the one that ultimately has the final say. And so trusting that he has um, his... Uh, perfect will in mind for us is really, really important. There's another verse that um, we're going to pull up really quick. It's coming from second Peter chapter three, verse eight and nine. And he is going to read it for us real quick. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as people think no he is being patient for your sake he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everybody to repent okay so in that scripture that's like a it's kind of it can be a lot to unpack but what i really ultimately want to um point out is just that um in this particular scripture it's saying like you know god doesn't have the same type of um conception of time that we as people do so like the way that we think, oh, a day is this, that could be like a minute to God. So like the way that he perceives time is not the same way that we perceive time. So that also just tells you too, like soon can be in a couple days, could be a couple months in our time, but in God's eyes, it can be two minutes, you know? So it's just like, in that that's that may not 100 percent be right i'm just saying that like that's how time is kind of seen in god's eye is not the same as we would see it but um another thing that i really wanted to point out is the verse nine of this it says the lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think because i think it's easy for some of us to think in our carnal minds that god is just delaying us or just being slow about or dragging his feet about moving Um, on behalf of the things that he's given us. But that's not necessarily the case because sometimes that it says, no, he is being patient for your sake because sometimes we have, we get the promise, but we have to be prepared to receive the promise. And sometimes there's a learning curve or a period where he has to prepare us to be able to truly be able to receive and handle properly what it is that he's giving us. Because a lot of us, if we're being honest, I know like um, we talk about um, the lottery a lot. We're always like, oh, I need to play the lottery. No, we don't play the lottery. But we, in our heads, we're always like, oh, we need to play the lottery. We need to play the lottery. But a lot of us don't have the financial discipline to really be able to manage or steward the gifting or the promise that God has given us correctly. So we have to be mindful that sometimes the waiting period is really more so preparation for the answered promise or the answered prayer or whatever it is that we're receiving from God, because sometimes we're genuinely not ready. And I know that that's a whole nother hot topic that a lot of people don't really want to get in too, but it's the truth. A lot of us are not in a position where we can generally receive what it is that the Lord is doing in our lives. 
And so there is going to be some time that has to be taken for us to genuinely be able to receive it. Right. And so going back to how I was talking about Elizabeth, how she kind of took that time and was, you know, thanking God and praying God. I'm pretty sure that she was consulting God on how to better steward the gift and the promise that he was getting ready to bestow upon her. And I think that that's how we should how we should maximize our time that we're waiting or our time that we may be uh, waiting for God to fulfill a promise or even looking at time because there's so much time that we have on our hands that we're like, okay, yeah, the Lord gave us a promise. And then we go on and we don't pray for five or six days concerning the promise, or we don't pray about the promise anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, that's what God said. But then you're expecting him to do something, but you're not doing any work to be in a better position to receive what it is that he's saying, whether that be praying, whether that be worshiping, whether that be whatever it may look like, depending on what the promise is that the Lord has given. But there's work that has to kind of be done in that process or in that in that timeline or in that time period of waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. You got something else, babe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Second um, Corinthians 6, 2 says, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Okay. You you found that scripture? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to talk about it? Um. It's just basically saying. Well, to me, it's saying like it's God's timing overall. Okay. So whenever God says it's going to be this time and this mm-hmm. time it's going to happen that time and that time and not on your time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for sure. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And it's, I think that's also a really nice scripture though, too, because it also is telling you like, I heard you pray it. You know what I'm saying? Like I heard you, I'm not ignoring you. I heard you. And there's not less, it may not be necessarily answered today, but it doesn't mean that it won't get answered, mm-hmm. it, but he heard you, but it's all in his time again when he sees fit. So yeah look at you (laughs) okay but yes um i don't think i really have much you got anything else you want to share with the people no y'all got it (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that's really um about it on our side of things um but we do have a um what, where is song it? Of the week. A song of the week. Yeah, go ahead and give them the song of the week here. But the song of the week is "On Time God." Yeah, so I think that's a really, really good song. Honestly, it's one of my worship playlists. Um, so I think it most definitely does speak to the topic that we are talking about this week. But um, we hope that you were able to get something from this, um, and we will see you guys next week. I'm Kiana. And I'm Nakia. And we are intentionally Intentionally loving loving you right where you are. We'll see you guys next week.